if we're you know dying more than we ever have um, as human beings if if we are more incarcerated than we ever have if we are more disconnected than we've ever been as human beings then what we're doing now is not working you know we're the, we're the sickest we've ever been mentally and emotionally and i don't need to go into you know rates of, of mental health and suicides and and so forth across the larger community but but you look at the human the human being as what it is now and how it's evolved we are the sickest we've ever been boom what is happening beautiful people happy new year and welcome to another episode of the real drug talk podcast now on today's show we've got joey williams um awesome guest uh Aboriginal man, um, and he shares his experience with culture and how that helped him in his healing journey with mental health um, and addiction issues. So really excited for the show today. Um, there's some really key insights. Um, and he even kind of challenges me a little bit on, you know, how I talk about trauma and, and things like that. So great show. Absolutely loved it. We actually recorded this show last year. Um, so um, there may be some references to 2023, but I'm, I'm pretty sure um, it, there's not. But we recorded this show last year um, and we've had a bit of a break with some family stuff going on. But we're excited for the new year and to bring you plenty uh, more content, more stories, uh, a few different things coming in the new year as well. So uh, subscribe and hope you look forward to that. I won't bang on for too long, but I just wanted to let everyone know as well, um, due to some family stuff that's been going on in my life um, with some sickness and things like that, we've had to um, close down the connection-based living services, um, which was a shame because we're getting some great results with people. Um, so if you hear that on any previous podcasts, that is those services are no longer available, unfortunately. Um, but there will be some educational products and things that you can access on Real Drug Talk in the coming future, courses, um, referrals to other people, things like that. But we're going to be focusing on content um, and putting out um, some good messages and some good stories and things like that. So I hope you enjoy. Um, I won't talk for too much longer. Let's jump into the podcast. The one thing that you can do for me before we go in um, is if you want to stay connected, we're going to be focusing heavily on our newsletter where there's going to be some information and tips on um, recovery stuff if you want to change up um, some behaviors around drug and alcohol use. Um, but there's also going to be plenty of stuff around drug and alcohol policy, commenting on you know up-to-date news issues and current events. Um, some stuff around some professional interviews that we'll do with people. Um, and that newsletter is going to be going out frequently during the week, uh, more than one time. So, yeah, we'd love if you could subscribe to that. Um, so it's for AOD professionals, anybody looking for some help or anybody that's interested in the space and in policy and in the sector. So um, really excited for that. So subscribe. It's all free. Links will be down below. Um, but let's jump into the show with uh, Joey Williams. Enjoy, everybody. Peace. I'm uh, excited today because um, I've been trying to make this happen for a while. And somebody that we had um, on the show a year ago that I did some work with, um, who I think you, well, she knows of you. I, I'm pretty sure you know her. Her name's Kay Hull. Um, she used to be uh, a politician. Um, and now she's yeah. from, from, from rural Australia. She said, Jack, you got to fucking talk to this guy. He's amazing. Um, 
So I've been trying to work out how we can get a hold and then, you know, Instagram and all that happens these days. Uh, so here we are. So I'm excited to chat to you, mate. First of all, how are you? How are you going? How's your day been? Firstly, I've never heard of a politician or ex-politician speak about me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess us country people have got to stick together, mate. That's right. That's right. She, she, she might not have said fuck, but she might have as well, actually. So I don't know. I can't remember. But it was passionate. I remember it was passionate. <laughs> Mate, things are good. Things are good. I'm, I'm, I'm down in, uh, I'm down in Nam at the moment in Melbourne. Um, awesome. You know, doing some different stuff down here. I started. I'm, I'm back on the, on the uni bandwagon. Uh, I'm back doing some study. So it's, it's. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's always trying to. Uh, challenge myself in different ways, um, yeah. mentally, emotionally, but then also intellectually as to what that looks like. Um, so I've signed myself up for a PhD for the next four years. Wow, what are you doing? What's what's your um, what's your PhD going to be in? It's it's the I guess the the or the, the question or whatever they su- say. The, the, yeah, the subject the subject um, is the, is in indigenous knowledges. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, the reasons why we did things for thousands of years, yep. and the reasons why they worked. Yeah. If we look at, if we look at, you know, the challenges of that we face in in society as a large, you know, I'm I'm not talking our people, I'm talking the entire community, the the challenges that we're having mentally, emotion, mentally and emotionally, and also spiritually. If you look at a people that did things for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and they lived and survived in the same climates that we're in today and they did it for thousands of years, then it probably leans into a little bit of what they did worked. Yeah. Right. And if we're, if we're you know, dying more than we ever have um, as human beings, if, if we are more incarcerated than we ever have, if we are more disconnected than we've ever been as human beings, then what we're doing now is not working. You know, we're the, we're the sickest we've ever been mentally yeah. and emotionally. And I don't need to go into, you know, rates of, of mental health and suicides and, and so forth across the larger community. But, but you look at the human, the human being as what it is now and how it's evolved. We are the sickest we've ever been. So yeah. looking at, you know, exploring um you know what our old people did what our ancestors did um you know not not the practice you know i won't be i won't be talking too deeply about what the practices um is or are but um talking about why they work yeah so interesting mate and for the for the for the broader community as well you know our, our people have always been a sharing people yeah right? for thousands of years we we were we were over over 500 separate nation groups that had similar but different stories in everywhere we went. We, 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 we traded and shared food with each other and ceremony, song, dance, relationships, you know, for thousands of years. Yep. So looking at as a sharing people, what we did, and this is the broader, broader community that can benefit from this stuff. Like, we, yep. I think we've been ripped off the past 230 plus years being sold a narrative that, that, the darkies that were here first were just dumb and savage yep. and primitive, you know, and like, and all of that's, you know, it's starting to be turned on its head now. Um, yep. and you know, I'm, I'm just using, just, we, we've known it's always worked now just using, uh, I guess the, the, 
the walls of the academy to um, bring these things to light. Yeah, mate, so interesting. And for everybody listening, we had um, we had a false start um, trying to record this podcast, but I remember one of the questions that I asked you was, um, you know, how important has culture, you know, been um, in your journey to, you know, recovery um, with mental health and substances and all that kind of stuff. So can you talk us a little bit through like your story um, and, and yeah, how, you know, that culture impacted it and, you know, how it's kind of led you to be so passionate about what you're now doing your PhD in as well? Yeah, so I've, you know, I've, who I was then and who I am now are two completely different people. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the beauty of, I guess, being, being in recovery for a long time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years sober this year. Wow. And Congratulations. In December. Yeah. 18, 18 years sober from, from alcohol in, in December. And, you know, I, I can't honestly sit here and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an important point. I can't honestly sit here and say that I've been clean and sober as well because, um, there was one time when I came back from, I was doing some work in the US. Yeah. And over, over in, over in the US, you know, um, I guess weeds are legal, uh, it's legal, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, so, um, I, I was over there and then, and then we were talking about the, the, the conversation around cannabis and legalized cannabis and, and what that looks like. And I guess medicinal cannabis and things like yeah. that. And I was like, I'd convinced myself, one, if I was living in America half the year, I'm not breaking the law over there. Yeah. And two, um, out here, I, I convinced myself that I medically needed it. Yeah. Like how 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 mad we are when when we're when we're, we're in the grip of addiction. Um, you know how challenging it is. We our, our mind can convince us of these things. Yeah. Um. So I I I had a joint. Um. So I can't I can't sit here that I've been 18 years clean and sober. Yeah. Um, I've been 18 years without alcohol, but it's about it's almost eight years. Um, yeah. Since that night. That I that I had, I sat down with with some people and had that joint, and yeah, you know, it's a it's a lesson to learn that that the mind is is constantly waiting for you to sleep. Um, as far as um, you know, the the, the challenges of, of of fighting the grip of addiction. So I've, I've been been through that for for a number of years, but I guess I I walked into the rooms of, of Alcoholics Anonymous and and, and Narcotics Anonymous uh, a long time ago. Uh, a yeah. long time ago, you know, not I guess nine, 19 years, 19 years ago, because I went for about 11 months and then I had a bit of a bust and then and then sort of threw my hands up again and said, I can't do it anymore. Um, and I guess who that who that kid was then, and I was, and I, like I said, I was just a kid. I was, I was 21. Yeah. You know, so um, who I was then and who I am now are two completely different people. But looking at the rooms of what AA and NA did for me. AA and NA gave me the tools. I always say this, AA and NA gave me, gave me the, the ability to get, to know that, that, that a life of alcohol and drugs was there, free of alcohol and drugs was there. Yeah. So it, it, it helped me get clean and sober, but yep. culture has been, culture has been undoubtedly the, the tools that I have that keep me clean and sober. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's it's all around, you know, culture isn't just getting half naked in the bush and dancing, you know, yeah. for people to look at or watch. You know, culture is 
deeply about about storytelling. It's about connecting with deep values that are involved in those stories. Yeah. Um, you know, the intrinsic interactions and relationships that we have for thousands of years all comes out through those practices. Yeah. So it's learning to live with more humility. You know, and 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 a life of a life of of being involved with alcohol and drugs. And I've been, you know, I've been I've been clean and sober now for longer than I used, but I knew that it didn't work for me. Yeah. You know, it was it was problematic everywhere I turned, everything everything that I did. Um, if I didn't, you know, go down that path, you know, eighteen years ago, or first walking into those doors or nineteen years ago, I'd be dead all off that. Without yeah. a doubt, not because I was violent or anything like that, but because everything I touched, it was just problematic. Like the behaviors of what that was just followed me with relationships, yeah. with, with family breakdowns, with poor form on the footy field, with all of that sort of stuff. So, um, my life without doubt is a million miles better now than what it was because of those tools that I have now that yeah. I've learned and learn to live with um, throughout the practice of what culture is and how yep. it's always been for thousands of years. Yeah, so interesting, mate. And I think I said to you, like, through some of my work, um, and I hate that they explain it like this, but, you know, through, like, bureaucratic processes, when they talk about, you know, funding programs and models of care and stuff, they... They call it the mainstream system, and then you know the um, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders um, system, and the, and they talk about the two different streams, and it's really interesting. Like I hate how they talk about it like that, but I'm like fascinated by the models of care that um, yeah the the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, stream of you know alcohol and drug support services comes up with. Because it's kind of, they always go with a bottom up approach rather than like a top down approach. And it's always centered around connection and dealing with the underlying, you know, psychological, emotional issues before even thinking about like the substances. You, you know, it's so interesting. Was that what you found in your journey as well? That, you know, alcohol and, and, and drugs or, or whatever else, other addictions was just sort of like a manifestation of whatever was going on underneath the surface? I think, you know, for me personally, and for a lot of people, um, but definitely for me personally, firstly, it was about escape. Yeah. It was about trying to silence what was going on inside my head. Um, that was a, that was a, a very noisy, noisy and a very crowded place. Um, there was a hell of a lot going on inside my head. Um, and that was, you know, through, through a, a reason of different things. But, um, I guess, you know, looking at what that escape is and escape was for so many years, and it's just so evident now with so many people that I work with around what that is. And, and it's whether we're escaping the relationships we're in, whether we're escaping the, the you know, the shit job that we're in, you know, the, yep. you know, the, the different challenges that we have with that. Um, it's all an escape. Um, so, you know, like, I, I, I'm someone who, who connects deeply with the work of Gabal Mate when, yeah. he, when he talks about, you know, addiction and, and, and the challenges with people with addiction isn't the actual substance itself. It's the reason we use substance is the, is the, is the, is the challenge that we need to get to, right? Um, yeah. but you look at, you look at our community and, and why our community and, and why it hasn't worked for so long, you know, 230 plus years since 
since the date of colonization. Um, the challenges within our communities, we have the answers to fixing our communities. It's as yep. simple as that. It's just we've never been resourced to be able to do that. Um, and that top-down approach doesn't work. You know, if yep. I walk into your household and tell you how to live, or your family how to live and what to do, and say that that's going to fix your that's going to fix your house and your life, then you're going to say, "Shut up, Joe. You know nothing about my family." Yeah. Yet, yet, the challenging thing with our communities is that we get dictated to from Canberra. Um, you know, when it comes to we always talk about um, you know the, the the billions of dollars that goes into into the First Nation communities around closing the gap, and you know we look at you know incarceration, education. Uh, life expectancy, all of those things. Um, when we're looking at at the billions of dollars that goes into our communities, we need to start having a look at where the billions of dollars is going because yeah. it's not going to our communities. It's yeah. not going to our communities. It's not reaching the ground. Three quarters of the money that gets, that gets pushed in the Aboriginal Affairs budgets goes to non-Indigenous organisations yeah. with that top-down approach. What doesn't work? Right. Yeah. So like it, it doesn't take you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that if we're wasting billions and billions of dollars in, in taxpayers' money, why don't we ask the people who's impacted the most in how to fix it? Yeah. Right. It just it just makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're when we're talking about this sort of stuff, our communities have the answers to what's what's best for our communities. Without doubt, there is some challenging times. Um, that have been had and some challenging experiences that people are going through. But how we look to uh, manage those need to be from a communal perspective um, yeah. and a communal approach. And, you know, um, Johan Hari talks a lot about uh, in his book, Lost Connections. And I, I, I read that book and I just had our community at the front of the mind. Um, yeah. Talks about how we're so disconnected as people. And that's the reason why we're all looking to escape. Yeah. Right. Paraphrasing, of course. But, you know, it's, 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 it's dead, dead in the center of, of what's going on with, with not just our community, but all communities. You know, yeah. like the disconnection that we have within our family home, our family unit. We don't even, we don't, even, we, you know, we don't, the old school sitting down at the kitchen table to have dinner and talk, talk to your kids about how their day's been or what, what school's been like or, the husband and wife, how they, how they, or you know, the 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 family unit um, of what that looks like, how they how their day's been, and how they're interacting. Like we, we don't have genuine conversations with each other anymore because yeah. we are so disconnected because of the the isolation that that technology brings us. Yeah, right. Technology's done some fantastic things without doubt, but it's disconnected us so much where people would rather send an email than go and have a conversation with someone. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's ironic that we're sitting here on a on a on a computer <laughs> on a video call, yeah. But <laughs> right, but you, you, like you get exactly what I mean. Like, 100%. like a lot of a lot of a lot of what we did, we've evolved from groups of people. Yeah, but we've evolved from from people that hung out in groups that did things with, for, and to each other. Right, yeah. and we're just getting further and further and further away from that. And that's the very reason why we're so sick as people. And yeah. Lost Connections documents that beautifully. Um, in his TED Talk, Johan Hari's TED Talk as well, um, that, that talks about, you know, the, the challenges. If you, you just type in um, Johan Hari TED Talk, you know, there's probably 
a few that come up, but one the one that has you know millions and millions and millions of views um, yeah. is exactly around that. You know, the unexpected cures for their anxiety and depression is around connection with people. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So it's really interesting that you bring all that up. What did that practically look like in your life? What was that kind of, if you, I don't know if you call it that sort of connection journey, that healing journey that you went on? Um, because, you know, the other element to your life is that you had this whole like professional sporting career, both with playing um, uh, rugby NRL. I'm from Melbourne, so we call it rugby. I don't know if you guys call it footy. Um, uh, but- We're in Melbourne at the moment. We could have done this in person. I know. I know. I didn't realize. <laughs> um, uh, and then boxing as well. Like, was there a huge like identity shift that had to that had to happen? You know, it's something that I hear people talk about a lot. Was that like a big part of it as well? And did that come through that connection piece, or was there something else that added into that? I think it comes through authenticity. Yeah, right? is that there's so many of us that that aren't truly being authentic to who we really are because of the the society that we walk in, the jobs that we walk into. And that was no different for me. You know, I had to fit in to a system um, when I was playing sport. Um, you know, boxing was a little bit different because it was more of an individual type thing. But, you know, you, your team, you know, you put your, you put your most trusted people around you with your team. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really connected place. And whilst, you know, being in a sports environment and a team environment is a connecting place, that's why I go back to, you know, it's not just connection, it's authenticity. Yeah, like right, being truly authentic to who you are, um, and and I guess taking the blindfold or the blinkers off around substance, how it was for me for for, for many years was that authenticity. Right? Yeah. So I I whenever I put an alcohol alcohol or drugs into my body, it turned me into somebody somebody who I wasn't, or I was using that to escape. Yeah. Right, the, the 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 challenges that I was going through. You know, mentally, emotionally, and personally. So, um, authenticity is the big one, right? Yeah. We, 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 because we live in a society where we have to fit everything, yeah. everything of what we do. Think about it. You know, you walk into an office, you got to be there at a certain time. You can't walk in there in board shorts and, and you know, wearing board shorts, no shirt, and a tie. Yeah, you just can't do it, right? It's frowned upon. It's looked down on because you there's there's standards there. There is, um, you know, expectations of what we need to do and how we need to do it. Um, yep. So, authenticity, actually, really, I was someone who's a little bit left, like, like a little bit. I'm different. I'm yep. different. I know I've always been different, um, but I, I also, um, that's not just because, you know, I, I grew up with different colored skin than everyone else. You know, when you know when we when we're talking about Football and the and the the environment of football. I I didn't particularly fit the the, the I guess the the uh, what's the word for it? Um, I guess your standard of what that was. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm I'm I'm, I'm different. I, I listen I listen to different music. I'm a muso. I like art and theater and and you know things like that. Um, yeah. I'm a different guy. I've always been that. Um, and it's 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 about. You know, I guess sitting sitting in and and sinking into your authenticity, what that is, um, you know. And, and again, we we speak a lot about, and this is a, 
I guess, a podcast around addiction and so forth like that. But we speak a lot too about Gabo Mate. He yeah. talks about authenticity so much. Yeah. You know, the, the need to escape. You know, that's yeah. the biggest challenge we, that people are having from day to day. Instead of looking at the need to escape, we need to start to build places where we don't need to escape. Yeah, 100%. Right, whether it's our workplace, our family homes, all of those types of things. So what did that moment look like for you? Like what was that breaking point in your life? Like obviously, um, you know, things can get pretty low and, and I imagine you had a time where you had a realisation or maybe it was an accumulation of like lots of little things. I, I'm not sure, but what take us back to that sort of, if you like to call it that darkest moment where where you went, fuck, mm. something needs to be different here. I need to change things up. I guess the darkest moment for me is fairly well documented now with the work that I do in the mental health and suicide space. Yeah. Um, and I guess as a, as a bit of a trigger warning for people listening, um, my, my darkest day was, a, was the day that I attempted not to be here anymore. Yeah. I did everything within the power of my two hands to not be standing here. Yeah. And something bigger than me kept me here. And, and after that realization, it was like, holy shit, I got, I got something bigger going on here. I just, I just tried to not be here anymore and it never worked. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there's something bigger here for me, you know, and yeah. it's, Call it, call it your rock bottom. That was without doubt, you know, the toughest, um, place or experience that I've ever had mentally and emotionally. Um, and I guess the only way is up from there, right? So it's been an accumulation over many years of just building who I am and what that person looked like. Let's not forget as well. Um, you know, that happened in 2012. Um, so 11, 11 years ago now, um, I was sober for a lot of years. Yeah. Right. I was clean. I was clean as well. Clean and sober for a lot of years. It's an interesting point. So, so it's not as if you, 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 for me, it was like I got rid of, uh, I got rid of alcohol and drugs, alcohol and other drugs. I got rid of the substance and hindsight's wonderful, right? But, but I look back and it was like ripping the bandaid off. Like the noise just went sky high after that. Yeah. So for me, it was about, and again, hindsight, I didn't have these realizations till many, many, many years later. Yeah. But I was using alcohol and drugs to silence what was going on inside my head. I take away the alcohol and drugs, the noise goes sky high, and I've got to come up with some tools to be able to manage that. You know, and on the back of, you know, marriage separations and, you know, family breakdowns and separations from my kids and, you know, things like that. Um, an accumula- accumulation of hurt and discomfort and not having the normal means of dissociating with substance, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. You know, like there was, there, there's, there's speaking with, with, with many people that fortunate enough to, to survive suicide throughout the world. Um, the amount of times that I've heard people say, I didn't want to die. I just didn't know what else to do to make the pain go away. Yeah. Right. And that's an important point that, that, you know, around, even just around recovery, like the next day when I was out of that, that, that really tough and critical time of, of being in a deeply immense emotional pain, suicide was the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. 
the next day. But when I'm in that moment, it just seems so close to the, that you can touch it. Yeah. Right. So I've noticed that for me, um, you know, and again, looking back with time, persistence, education, learning about myself, learning about what my triggers are, learning about how I'm feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually, um, looking at all of the aspects of what that is, um, and just putting in, I guess, mitigation around making sure I don't get to those places again. Yeah. And I have, I have those tools now. And for me, it's, for me, it's sitting around a fire, you know, being around close family and friends yeah. that understand the challenges. You know, I've, I have, and I say this all the time, like our people for thousands of years, we had 10 psychologists sitting around the fire. Yeah. You know, we just didn't have a piece on the paper. On, we didn't have a piece of paper on the wall to tell us that's what we were. Yeah. Right. So it's the, 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 the benefits of, of knowing, knowing about people mentally and emotionally and just sitting with those people in a beautiful place of empathy and not silencing and validating what they're going through, um, can do amazing things for people's recovery. So for me, it's been, it's been a journey, man. It's been a real journey yeah. of learning, understanding and walking with who I am. And I yeah. can, I can look in the mirror and be comfortable now. I'm just really interested to kind of get the insight because it's such a great point that you make around, um, you know, being sober and clean and, and not using any substances and still getting to that place mentally. And it's something that we try and talk a lot about on this podcast. Obviously, it's about alcohol and drugs, but people, people don't realize that it's not really about alcohol and drugs. It's about like kind of being happy and, and the alcohol and drugs, as we've talked about, is kind of a manifestation or an escape for that pain. Um, you know, like what, what were some of the big realizations that you had that you had to do, like in terms of like, what have been some really big actions and steps? And I don't know if it's habits or therapy sessions or those, or those campfire sessions or yeah, like what, what were some of the big like realizations and insights and practices that you implemented to get you out of that place when, when you were there as, as different coping mechanisms? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, one of the, biggest things that we get taught and told as as first nation people is that to to leave the place better than we found it right so and that means many things you know about walking country it means about looking after country but it also means about the people that we love and interact with the most our young people our kids right um one of the most powerful conversations i ever heard and it was it was relayed to me by a, a, a child care teacher was uh at that like daycare my young bloke, my oldest boy, um, my eldest boy who's now uh, almost 19, he said my, they were having a conversation with it, you know, with, with all the young kids, as young kids do, and I was talking about what beer did your dad drink? And, and my eldest boy, he said, my dad doesn't drink beer, he drinks water. Right? Yeah. And um, that is one of the most powerful things, that observation that he was, he was in daycare. So our kids know what's going on in our family home. Yep. Right. So for me, my biggest, my biggest growth has been 
who I am, not just as a man, not just as someone who's clean and sober, but who I can turn up and be as a dad yeah, and a partner and be proud of that. Because for a long time, I wasn't that. Yeah. I can, op- I can openly, vulnerably and honestly say that. For a long time, I wasn't that person. Right. So it's, it, it also takes many years um, of, of learning to walk in those worlds. And you can't do it when you're off your head, right? You can't do it. Like you, like your inhibitions and, and your actual clarity around who you want to be or who you got to be and who you are being are three very different people. Yeah. And you can't do it when you, when your mind's just out of it with the alcohol and drugs. Yeah. You can't. So for me to be the best version of me, I can't put substance into my body. Yeah. And if that means it's what it is to model to my kids. Yeah. Right. And you know what? My kids, my kids will get to the point where they go out, they go out and they do that. You know, I've got yep. an 18 year old and a 17 year old, um, 18 year old, 17 year old, a 12 year old, 10 year old and six year old. Right. So the younger three aren't yet at that stage, but they will be. They'll yep. get to that point. Right. And what it is like for me as a dad is building those conversations or building those relationships where you hear it so many times. If my dad or my mum catch me doing this, they will kill me. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be that dad. Yeah. I want to be that dad where my kids go, not dad, I'm getting on the piss. I want to be that dad where my kids go, dad, this is what happened last night. We did this at a party and I feel comfortable to be able to talk to you about it. And then without me losing my absolute bananas, because my, my story and everything that I've done and touched all throughout my life is for the world to see in my, in, in, in my book and so forth like that. So I can't ever judge yeah. my kids when I'm talking about this sort of stuff openly either. Right? Yeah. We want them to make better choices without a doubt. But I can't judge or silence my kids. I need to dig into that and go, all right, well, why are you doing this? Yeah. What's, what's, what's not, not, not what's wrong with what you're doing, what do you feel is right about what you're doing? Yeah. What I mean by that is, how does it make, why is it making you feel like this? Yeah. And what is that place of why you need to escape that? Yeah. Right. It all comes back to, it all comes back to a place of, of what we're needing to escape. Why can't we live in a world where we don't need to escape? Yeah. Right. I want to create a family unit where they don't need to escape. They know that they can come to me with their deepest and darkest secrets and they can have those conversations without judgment from dad. And it doesn't yeah. mean that dad's heart won't break or won't be upset or won't even be angry. It means that dad will have some empathy and some understanding and some possibly some tools to be able to help you through it. I'm not going to judge. I can't yeah. judge. Yeah. So interesting. Um, I love that philosophy as well because yeah it's like the it's like the bigger conversation that almost has to happen on a national level as well in society about drugs and alcohol to open up the space rather than stigmatizing it and making it this like taboo kind of thing that people can't come and talk well, we about we can't it. say it's taboo we also can't say it's taboo because it's on the tv every night yeah it's 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 major sponsorships throughout the country yeah, right. it, it is documented as the biggest 
drug problem Australia's got is alcohol. Yeah. So we can't ever say that that, that alcohol and substance use is taboo because yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah. Right. So that 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 is just a it's a backhanded comment. I'm not having a crack at you, but I'm saying no, that no, like- it's a backhanded comment to even suggest that that you know like it's 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 so we can, we can't ever get cranky at our kids for being for for wanting a lifestyle of alcohol and drugs if we are modeling alcohol and drugs to them yeah yeah we can't ever be grumpy or or be upset or disappointed in our kids if 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 they want a life of alcohol or drugs if we are modeling a life of alcohol and drugs yeah but that's what I mean. I, I would say, like my my feeling is is the is the way that alcohol and drugs is spoken about in society, like what you're saying, and that's kind of what I meant. It creates this. I feel it creates this environment on in whether it happens within that family unit that you're talking about, but also like on uh, on on a national scale where people can't be open and talk about what's going on for them because they're going to be labeled and jumped on or you know made to feel a certain way and it just it and it actually breeds more (laughs) more issues um because of i think that's two separate i think it's two separate conversations as well yeah is that is that what what we just started with a minute ago was saying that that you know kids being you know, or kids, kids partying and drinking and taking drugs, exper- um, experimenting and so forth, like is taboo. But then you just went to the point where we're talking about feelings and emotions. I 100% will advocate yeah. for people to make sure that they talk about their feelings and emotions. And that is the taboo thing that yeah. we're talking about. Like people, people won't talk about their emotions. But here's the thing, right? How can you talk? How can you be comfortable? in talking about your emotions when since you're this big you've had your emotions silenced yeah so stigma isn't out in community stigma is how we talk to our kids every single day yeah by silencing emotions when they're babies telling them that that didn't hurt pull your socks up grow up toughen up wipe the tears out of your wipe the tears out of your eyes like children are just going through an like an evolutionary process of brain development and struggle to communicate their needs and we silence that yeah because we're adults right yeah. and why it's so triggering to us is because we didn't get validated as kids too so stigma yeah. this whole stigma conversation right about you know we need to silence the stigma and we need to talk about mental health more what we need to do is create safe spaces of validation in our home yeah to our babies and our young people who then grow up and don't need to look for the answers down the eye of a bottle yeah we need to create family relationships where we can comfortably sit with our parents and say, you know what, I'm not doing too well. I need to have a conversation of what this looks like. Yeah. Without our parents saying, oh, you'll be right. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 
It's so fascinating and so interesting. So you you did explain it a little bit, but um, how do you like? How do you have that conversation with with your kids? Like, obviously, you you just have the conversation, but is it you know talking to them like with a bit of a mix of you know um like like how do you hold the balance of being a parent and and sort of somebody there that's that's listening and holding that space as you said as well you know because i think that's a really yeah, sometimes we can sometimes we can get into trouble as parents um i'm not sure if you've got kids right but but sometimes we can sometimes we can get into parents and and because we're the older person we're supposed to be the more mature person so we're supposed <laughs> to have all the end <laughs> supposed to that was a key word um, so we're supposed to have all the answers, right? But sometimes we don't have the answers. Yeah. Sometimes our young people don't need answers. They just need somebody to sit there and, and, and hold space for them. Yeah. So that's some of the biggest illusions that we have with being a parent is that, which is, which is hugely detrimental to the young people's well-being, is because we always seem to want to have an answer. And when we don't have an answer, we put this expectation on ourselves of, holy shit, I don't know the answer here. So I'm just going to silence what they're going through and not validate it. Yeah. Right. So what we need to do as parents, how do you learn to be a good sports person? You go out there and you get skills and you learn off good coaches and you, and you watch TV about different things and you educate yourself around different things. Yeah. Right. So one of the best experiences or the best journey that I've been on is educating myself about how to work with young people better. Yeah. Like how to, how to converse with my young kids. When they're, when they're crying, what I think is the mo- most minor little thing. But my kids don't go, oh, my God, Dad, I'm emotionally being let down here by you. I need yeah. you to hold space. How can kids say that? Most adults can't even say that. Yeah. Right? So what we need to do is start to learn about how we have these conversations with our little people because broken little people Turn into grow broke. up in the bodies of broken yeah. big people. Yeah. Right. You don't just grow up and that stuff goes away. Yeah. But 99% of our community today that we walk around and we see all hold little secrets and challenges of the way that we were raised in our communities. And 99% of it is all around emotional validation. Yeah. So we need to have, and, and, and again, you're a podcast about addiction. Where do you think addiction is born? Yeah. Like addiction is born through escape. Yeah. How do our kids escape when they try to tell themselves not to get upset at things? Yeah. It's a form of dissociation. It begins yeah. in childhood. It begins in childhood. Yeah. And then we're continuously dissociating from what we're going through. And then we grow up to be young teens and adolescents and we're escaping through experimenting with alcohol and drugs and oh this feels okay then I, I get involved in relationships and and then I'm 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 latched into a trauma bond because I wasn't raised right with my mum or my dad and 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 the cycle just continues and we have the convert then we, we grow up and have kids and and we don't validate their emotions and they're in their exact then then they are in the exact same cycle yeah. Yeah. So addiction for me, you know, I, 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 I had a conversation recently around 
you know, um, good and bad people. I said, there's just not, there's like, like a person I had a, the conversation with said, there's just bad people in the world, Joe. And I was like, I don't, I don't believe there's just bad people in the world because people aren't born bad. Yeah. People are taught how to be bad through their experiences. Yeah. And all of those self-soothing behaviors that we have as young people grow into addictions as older people. Yeah. Because we're doing our best to dissociate from challenging times. And the best way to do that when we're an adult is go to the best, most potent legal substance you can find. Yeah. We get completely out of our mind every weekend. Yeah. So can I ask then with that to maybe drop in a little bit personal and and just kind of ask you a pointed question. What what was the what were the things that you were trying to escape from when when you were drinking and using? Like what what were the main things that you've realized that you were yeah, you were trying to avoid and 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 get some relief from? Yeah, so it's well documented, um, the, the research now around concussions. Um, for me, I can the very first time I can recall the negative voice in my head telling me that I was worthless, that I would never amount to nothing, and then progressively got worse to talking and planning thoughts, plans, and ideas of suicide, was on the yeah. back of a concussion. Yeah. was in the back of wow. getting my knocked, head knocked around, you know, on the footy field every weekend. And, and for me, I was... I was I signed my first NRL uh, contract as a 13-year-old kid, yeah. right? And then as a 14 and 15-year-old kid living in the country, I was playing first-grade footy where my brain just wasn't developed properly and I was out there playing against men getting bang, banged around every weekend. Yeah. So it's got to have it's got to have an impact on the chemistry of your brain. And as I yeah. said, it's well-documented now, the research around um, you know, the, the, the challenges that, that the concussions bring to, to, to a person, the best person's mental health, you know, with CTE yeah. and, and the, um, you know, the, I guess the behaviors associated that impact our mental health. So, um, yeah. you know, for me, for a long time, I was using substance to silence the voice that was going on inside my head telling me that I was worthless or I'd never amount to anything and that I yeah. should die. And, and like when those thoughts are happening, um, like, are you believing it or are you, are you kind of like fighting against it? As strange as that might sound for people that maybe haven't experienced it, but you know, like, are you fighting against it and believing and then believing it sometimes and then going back and forth and, and just in this battle with yourself or is it, or is it something that you kind of aware that's going on and you just kind of can't stop it, but you're just confused about what's happening? So do you know much about the organization I founded back in 2014? The I mental health organization? Sorry. So so my mental health organization that I founded back in 2014 on the back of firstly, you know, my suicide attempt and, and, and psych ward stays and learning about, you know, the brain and different different things, mental health and, and stuff like that, is my organization's called the enemy within. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. It was like an enemy that sat there inside my head that yeah. that forced me to fight every single day yeah and for a long time i used substance to escape that to silence that like many of us do um, yeah. and then when i got sober and i started to sit with that um you know for a long time i hated the person looking back at me because that person 
believed those voices inside my head, right? But now I can sit there and, and be comfortable in the person I am. Um, doesn't mean that it's not, it's not still there. You know, that, that conversation still happens. Um, it's just I've got the tools now um, to be able to quieten down what's going on inside the mind. It's actually, it's, a, it's actually really uh, ironic. Um, I'm just, just as I, as I finish this up, I'm jumping into a, into a, into a, um, into an event, which is around, um, you know, contemplative practice, which is all about mindfulness and meditation and slowing the mind down. You know, so learning to sit with yourself in presence, um, and, and the benefits that that can have is just exponential for our, for our wellbeing. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting to just hear you say those things out aloud because I know for me in my journey, um, the the thing that like blew me away was I'd heard people's stories about their drinking and whatever before, um, but, you know, it was when a guy like you said to me, these are the boy. This is kind of the voice, the internal dialogue that's going on in my head. This is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, yeah, how you describe it. This is the enemy within that's going on and happening. It just like blew me away and just like kind of was the thing that helped me to like trust, you know, that maybe things could be better for me as well, you know. Um, so yeah, that's why I wanted to pull, pull out and just hear you talk about that stuff because. I think like people, so many people experience that um, and it's the beauty of podcasts and the, and the organizations such as yours that are out there these days that can share these messages and really connect with people on a, on a deeper level with that lived experience, you know. Um, it's, it's, well, um, I was, yeah. It was back in 2014, back in 2014 where all of this was birthed, right? It was on the back of the launch of a short film in Wagga, in the Wagga, Wagga Film Festival. And we called it The Enemy Within, right? Yeah. Um, because I, because I, and that was, this was back before people spoke about mental health publicly. Now yeah. I was just come off the back of a, a, a of the, my NRL career. I was, I was, it was, it was two weeks out from, sorry, a week out. Actually, the, the, the film festival was the week, the week of, um, me fighting for the WBF world title in Wagga, which was wow. a big deal for Wagga, right? Um, and, and like, it was like, wow, this guy has done this with sport. He's still doing this with sport and he still battles with what's going on inside his head. And the amount of people that come up to me and was like, Joe, what you just spoke about, I go through the exact same thing. I've just never had the words to talk about what it is. Yeah. Right, and what it did for so so long, I never once professed to be, you know, a, a a professional or a therapist or anything like that. But what it did was it gave people strength to be able to talk about or or accept what they were going through, and also normalize what they were going through. Yeah, right. The amount of people that come up to me and said, "Joe, I go through the exact same thing." Yeah, right. Was in, was incredible. So, yeah. um, I just. I just felt felt it then my duty to be able to, you know, help people and, and, and the more I helped, the more it helped me. Um, yeah. And that it was important very early on in the in, in the piece I learned that you can't give from an empty cup. You know, you've you've got to keep my own cup full um, to make sure that I'm doing the right things to help people first. Um, yeah. because if I'm not well I can't help anyone. Yeah. 
Well, mate, I've got to say you're um, a fascinating guy with a lot of wisdom that, you know, um, just even as we're talking, like it, it so some, sometimes, you know, I, I have so many of these conversations um, and do this stuff for work. You, you can even, well, I'll talk about me. I can disconnect from it from, from times, but just talking to you now, it kind of, you know, it reconnects me to the whole like journey of healing and all the stuff that goes on. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's, it's a very powerful message that you have. Where can people find you? Where's the best place? Um, if they want to check out all the work that you do. Mate, for me, um, you know, probably my Instagram is, is the most active thing, um, which is Joe Williams underscore T E W. So, Joe Williams underscore T-E-W for the enemy within. Um, yeah. Or then there's the work. My enemy within page is at the enemy within underscore. Uh, my Facebook page is the enemy within suicide prevention, uh, mental health and trauma recovery education. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm on all different platforms. My website's joewilliams.com.au. But I'm recently, I recently just founded a charity called Our Way Academy, which works awesome. with young people between the age of five and 12. Um, yeah. So primary school kids, um, helping all kids to be the best, uh, First Nation kids to be the best version of themselves and, and build tools um, to be able to have a strong foundation throughout their life. Amazing, mate. Amazing. And uh, like you spoke about in the podcast, um, you know, help to end the cycle of, you know, the 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 brokenness that can start and and hold the space for people it's very cool very it's, cool it's a it's a it's a challenge but we just got to do the best we can each day in, in modeling the best behaviors that we can yeah um, some things will start to come up it's like the onion layer you know everything <laughs> you know you you get comfortable and then you go a little bit deeper um, yeah but it's 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 all it's all worth it in the end yeah amazing mate amazing hey thanks so much for coming on and i'm glad we finally up we got it to work. Um, so um, I'll link all of that um, in the notes below, everybody, and uh, hope you take something out of it. And um, I'll just drop you in it. Hit hit Joe up because he's, he's a star. So, um, yeah, reach out if you need help. Have a good day, everybody. Peace. Ooh.